Gartner defines Security Service Edge or SSE as the convergence of network security services delivered from a purpose-built cloud platform. Now, as more organizations move to the cloud, improving data storage and security rises in importance. One of the design considerations for SSEs is to support employees working remotely and keeping their data in the cloud. Now, SSE can be considered as a subset of the Secure Access Service Edge or SASE framework, with its architecture squarely focused on security services. In this podcast for future CISO, we look at the developments around network security in the cloud era, focusing specifically on security Service Edge. Joining us today is Mr. Heng Mok, CISO for Asia Pacific and Japan at Zscaler. Heng, welcome to Podchats for Future CISO. Thank you, Alan. Great to be here. We are aware that organizations are migrating to the cloud. Many are opting for a as-a-service or outsourcing what was once technology and IT service delivered internally. What does network security look like when a company outsources its IT infrastructure needs to a company like, say, AWS, Azure, or Google Cloud? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. So if we look at the architecture when organizations are moving to the cloud, it's actually significantly more distributed and fluid. So organizations are essentially leveraging the power and full capability of cloud, which means that infrastructure, services, and platforms are consumed and can be deployed on demand, scaled up and down to meet the changing business needs, means both the infrastructure and assets are no longer static in nature and are much more dynamic. So with this transformation in which businesses increasingly are taking place over the internet, what that happens is uh, essentially it increases the attack surface. So security must be embedded into this new connective tissue for businesses to be protected closer to where the majority of users and business assets are now centered. It also means that security as a service model is required to run and operate at the same speed as the business. I think with that, the security controls need to be closer to user and applications as it has several benefits, including shorter paths to the applications, resulting in performance and user experience benefits, as well as the same security policy being applied wherever the user is located on or off the network and a consistent user experience. I think the distributed nature of cloud-based architecture, which businesses have now adopted, has consequently highlighted the gaps in some of the pure network security models, which is now hampering user productivity and employee experience. Now, Gartner coined the term SSE back in 2021, I believe. What do you think precipitated for the creation of SSE and what's driving the need for SSE? Doesn't the existing uh, VPN solutions already do that job? So I guess if we start thinking about some of the business drivers around this, right? So, uh, you know, digital transformation with many organizations has, has started, right? So when we think about things like agile ways of working, the rate of business change velocity, as well as, I guess, the technology operating model that has had to adapt to that velocity. Technology organizations are becoming product teams. And essentially, the value that they want to focus on is their business specialist context as a market differentiator. I guess as a result of that, um, you know, we've seen that organizations are consuming commoditized services such as infrastructure platforms, and really they want to pivot and, and focus in on the value of where their business knowledge is. We're also seeing things like, you know, the consumption of non-differentiating SaaS business applications in the collaboration space. So many organizations are taking up and moving towards Office 365 or Google G Suite. We're seeing CRM and finance and HR systems 
systems commoditized in the software as a service space as well. And I think the other aspect of this is that, you know, technology departments as well are sort of driving towards, you know, multi-cloud strategies to consume the best platform for the right business need. And there is that acknowledgement that, you know, essentially maintaining a data center and all the services associated with that is, is really not a core capability for most organizations anymore. And they've realized that in order to be more resilient, reliable, and flexible, the services such as public cloud infrastructure and platforms can be consumed. I think the other aspect of this is that, you know, there's been a whole lot of learnings from organizations around how they've delivered you know, the customer experience and then taking some of that learning to apply those same principles to the employee experience. I think the other aspect of where things are going is that businesses are acquiring businesses, they're merging, they're demerging, and that essentially has become the norm. So a lot of these these business change triggers are, are sort of driving the need for more flexible capability. And on top of that, when we start thinking about the supply of security resources for internal security teams, the result of that is that, again, the focus in on sort of the lower value lifecycle management tasks of uh, maintaining uh, hardware, implementing patches have sort of moved and pivoted the dial for security teams to actually focus more on higher value activities such as, you know, policy management. So there's been that shift in order to make full use of the minimum set of, of security resources uh, that we have. And then I think, um, you know, the pandemic and hybrid working as well has again sort of driven the norm where users and data are no longer in the four walls of the office. You know, users are more mobile and remote and connecting from anywhere over any connection to their cloud and apps has become important priority. So when we think about VPNs itself and, and what they're actually doing is that they're bringing the user back to a central location and they're hairpinning, I guess, the connectivity back to that central data center. Now, what that results in is that the path where a user has to come back and the security controls that get applied to that have an impact on things like inspection. You know, you're no longer taking the shortest path to application. And a Essentially, from that, the way that has resulted, I guess, in some of the architecture flaws where that VPN now becomes a vulnerability point for many organizations. So we've seen things like the number of VPN devices having uh, security vulnerabilities over the last period of time. And again, you know, that sort of exposes the attack surface and results in, I guess, adversaries being able to discover some of your core pieces. The other aspect of that is that with remote working and, and some of the changes in uh, how people are operating uh, by extending the network back to the user's home, again, sort of increases the risk around the environment and, and in basically increases the, the way that adversaries are able to target organizations. And again, if you start thinking about some of the threats associated with having the network and the connectivity being open, things like ransomware and, and lateral attack movement can be then initiated from some of those particular endpoints. So the SSE framework is then sort of critical in facilitating that secure connectivity and you know, the component of it around the zero trust network access is essentially, you know, one of the parts that enables businesses to be more flexible, protects against some of the external attack surface and ensures that employees are securely able to connect to the right uh, enterprise services and cloud services. Looking at the security architecture of an organization in today's environment where you have remote networking and all that, what do you anticipate SSE will be replacing and what is it complementing? 
the first point to, to highlight is that organizations' uh, security architecture needs to be adaptive to meet the ongoing needs of the business and protected against relevant threats and you know mitigate risk within the organization's risk appetite. Any controls that sort of are implemented need to be coming from that particular view. If we look at the technology components of SSE uh, in terms of some of the capability it's delivering, you know, things like secure web gateways, cloud access security brokers, zero trust network access, firewall as a service, all these particular components that form part of a cloud platform essentially follow the users and proxy their connections into destinations, regardless of whether the destination is the internet, a SaaS application, or private application, alleviating, I guess, the security challenges faced by organizations on a traditional network. So I guess as organizations transition to cloud-first and cloud-only organizations, there's going to be a natural transition to replace you know, legacy on-premise capabilities such as firewalls, secure web gateways, and VPNs. And essentially, the control environment from an SSE perspective should complement some of the existing base controls that an organization has. So around the identity component, uh, data protection, endpoint, email security, and security analytics. Oftentimes, when new technologies are brought into the picture, there will always be those that will say negative things about it, create confusion in the market. What in the vendor community called is uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt or FUD. Can you cite three such misconceptions against SSE that security professionals and end users should be aware of so that it doesn't confuse them as to the benefits of why the CISO is suggesting to implement the SSE? If we sort of call out three of the misconceptions, um, the first one is really around that SSE is only for, for large organizations. I think that if we look at where organizations are heading, regardless of size, everyone is consuming cloud and consuming services. Hybrid work is also driving the requirement to secure users both on and off the network, and as such, providing unified and standardized controls to simplify security management is still required. I think the second one is that there has been a lot of talk about SSE and zero trust are the same thing, whereas SSE is actually a set of technologies which comprises of zero trust network access as one part of that. And essentially, you know, if we think about a zero trust strategy by securely connecting users to applications, by providing a holistic framework that integrates a range of adaptive and flexible capabilities based on the principles of zero trust, always verifying least privileged access and assume breach. And SSE actually complements an organization's zero trust strategy by providing some of these core capabilities. And then the last one is really around the fact that SSE is the only control required for organizations. I think that SSE can be seen as a key control to protect an organization, but there's still going to be requirements for other controls, whether they are process or technology. As part of any ongoing organizational risk assessment, threat profile modeling, regulatory requirements, an organization still needs to manage and adapt their controls to where an organization is driving towards. So a relevant cyber strategy needs needs to be constantly refreshed to drive and support that particular business vision. As an organization looks to adopt a zero trust as part of their security framework, how do you see SSE being impacted, whether it's at the deployment stage or the design stage? 
you know, if we look at organizations that are embracing zero trust as part of their cyber strategy, I basically see that the technology components of the SSC being core capabilities, which are implemented to support an organization's uh, zero trust journey. So the goal of zero trust is to, you know, never trust, always verify, protect resources and and assume breach and, and those particular principles. I'll bring in a couple of use cases. So organizations that deploying zero trust network access capabilities as part of a COVID response to instantly scale remote work from home. The zero trust component of this is policy-based, least privileged access control to provide the right access to the right application and decoupling from the network and letting the network provide what it was designed to do, carriage. So a use case for, I guess, uh, organizations that are moving towards hybrid working is to deploy SSE capabilities associated with you know zero trust uh, network access. And then I think the other aspect is that if you look at organizations that are transitioning to cloud collaboration, such as Office 365 or moving toward a CRM uh, in the service offerings, again, cloud secure web access gateways uh, that are in line and that are proxy-based, that are inspecting traffic and blocking threats, and CASBs that are integrated into these particular SaaS platforms, providing data protection capabilities to these software as a service business applications, become part of that overall strategy. So I think that in terms of them complementing each other, they're highly complementary in terms of organization deploying SSE capabilities to support their zero trust strategy and their framework. How do you architect a network security strategy to be future-proof and resilient given that future technologies and circumstances are still unknown today? The first part of it is that you want to be deploying uh, technology and capabilities that continue to adapt and are driven by research, predictive, data-driven, and intelligence-driven, because what that will provide you is a flexible architecture as well as flexible capability to meet some of that uh, changing needs. I think the other aspect of it is in terms of a cloud scale and collective defense approach. So you want to be partnering with a technology that is protecting a wide set of organizations, which means that that collective defense approach around a detection in one customer can be then consequently scaled out to everyone else within the organization. So a little bit like you know herd immunity in terms of being able to drive that collective defense approach. The next part is really around you know, having a continuous and new security features that are implemented as part of a service. So, you know, this essentially means that you've got a model that can keep ahead of the adversaries and the threats within the environment. Uh, Next, it's really around having a mature and proven capability to deliver and operate at scale. So, the availability of the service that needs to be better than what organizations can operate at the scale and resilience of that particular organization. If you think about organizations, organization's uh, security control ecosystem. It's all about ensuring that whatever platform and architecture is implemented, that it can integrate and can harmonize with the rest of the controls that you have within the environment. Because essentially, that means that you're able to achieve the most value risk takedown from your investment in those particular controls. The next part of it is really around ensuring that the technology itself can support modern cyber and technology operations. Models around DevSecOps, continuous delivery, and, and automation. 
And obviously, your controls approach has to be around defense and depth, layering multiple controls, ensuring that you've got visibility across the entire organization so that in the use case of any of these protective controls actually failing, then you've got the ability to respond and contain and ensuring that uh, you're able to, to respond and mitigate that particular risk and threat. And then I guess from a process perspective as well, I think that you need to continually assess your organization's threat and risk profile and feed that into continual control testing processes. So whether that's red teaming or whether that's breach simulation, uh, you want to be continually finding those unknown control gaps. And then this continuous risk-based approach uh, will help provide, I guess, a level of assurance that the current controls are effective and are relevant to protect the organization. And I think the last part of this is that at any point in time, if you sort of find that control is not effective, you know, make the hard decision to, to replace it with a better control. So being adaptive and, and continually assessing your estate and basically having that continuous uh, controls approach will provide you with uh, better risk takedown. So I guess not being afraid to make the change when a change calls for it. Okay. Thank you very much. Hank, thank you for joining us on Podcast for Future CISO. Thank you very much for your time, Alan. Uh, it was a pleasure being on the podcast. That was Hing Mok, Chief Information Security Officer for Asia Pacific and Japan at Zscaler on the topic of future-proofing network security. You are listening into Podchats for Future CISO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CISO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CISO. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.